This week on Making Contact. Yes, the big story on Action News tonight is the effort to evict move from its house on the 6200 block of Osage Avenue. The effort has turned into a disaster. And the fire is now five alarms still raging out of control, as you can see. An unknown number of heavily armed move members continue at large, possibly roaming the alleyways. Going in, everybody knew that move would resist anything. While the police will say that they come here to arrest people, we have done nothing wrong. Today we'll present excerpts from the documentary, Let the Fire Burn. The film directed by Jason Oster examines the controversial 1985 clash between police in Philadelphia and MOVE, a radical nonviolent back-to-nature group. I came in contact with MOVE back in 1974. Uh, we had a number of rap sessions with youngsters in terms of trying to offer a different point of view. Uh, did they appear to you to be uh, violent at all? No, it uh, basically appeared to be a progressive uh, political organization, pretty much concerned about the issues that impacted on the black community. MOVE, founded in 1972, is a political and religious organization whose principles mirror that of its founder, John Africa. Born Vincent Leapart, an African-American war veteran who practiced the idea of life liberation combined with environmental and animal rights. MOVE members see themselves as family and adopt the surname of Africa as an identifier. The group's mission is to challenge the system, highlight the hypocrisy of government, and live a healthy lifestyle. Ms. Sims, can you describe for me what the philosophy of MOVE was? What did John Africa teach with regard to the society in which you found yourself living? We were being taught about this system, the corruption in this system, but mainly it was just the absolute truth. What John Africa did was expose the lie in the system, uncover it. Could you describe the, what you mean by the word the system, please? The system, the establishment, you. On the evening of May 13, 1985, the city of Philadelphia dropped a satchel bomb filled with Tovex and C4 explosives on MOVE's Osage Ave home. The bombing resulted in the death of 11 MOVE members, including five children. It destroyed 61 homes and devastated an entire community. I'm Anita Johnson, your host this week. The tragic events of May 13th still linger some 35 years later, a haunting and violent depiction of America at its worst. The only thing that was happening is that MOVE was taking a stand against the injustice that has been dropped on them by this administration and the Rizzo administration. MOVE principle has never changed. MOVE's mood, I'm talking about bitterness now, did change. They made, in my view, a conscious decision to aggravate residents to the point where the residents would, in fact, uh, demand for the city uh, to take actions to provide them with relief. And in that regard, the city would be forced into doing one or two things, to engage in confrontation or to engage in compromise. There was a lot of hostility between those two entities. 
and I think it must be researched why the hostility was there. Which two entities, Mr. Bond? Uh, the city of Philadelphia and the MOVE organization. And as a pawn, we were caught in between. And nobody, frankly, gave a damn. So I met with 15 residents uh, on Osage Avenue on Memorial Day, uh, 1984. At that meeting, I said to them that I will research as to whether or not there is a legal basis uh, for the city to do something about the problems that you have brought, uh, brought to us, but also pointed out to them that the mayor does not have the authority uh, because he does not like, uh, the neighbors do not like, the way someone lives to simply go in and evict the people from the house, that we don't have those kinds of options in this democracy. Today, more than three dozen Philadelphia policemen surrounded the building after a MOVE member was spotted on the roof wearing a hooded mask and carrying a shotgun. That standoff lasted less than two hours. Police did not enter the house and no arrests were made. In the last several weeks, their actions have escalated tensions in the neighborhood, leading to tonight's situation. We would like to tell you that the shootout is over. We cannot say that definitively. We can say there has been at least a 15 or 20 minute break in the gunfights. Here comes a police car racing in right now at this moment. This is a highway patrol car racing into the scene. We don't know what this signifies. We'd like to tell you it's over. We really can't right now. There has been a pause. There are indications that what has been a tremendous gunfight is over. Looking in the trunk of this car right here, there's more gunfire right now. We're going to crouch down. Look, as you were about to say, the police are unloading, as you can see right now, police are unloading Winchester cartridge shells from the back of a highway patrol car. Do you know how many rounds were fired that day? No, sir, but I will say that uh, uh, we ran out. Uh, we did not anticipate uh, the uh, extent of the confrontation uh, and ran out, uh, I don't know what time it was, but it was some time in the morning. What's happening is it's a shootout. Gunfire is as close as it's been uh, since the uh, shootout happened this morning. Let's let's come closer. Let's come closer and use uh, and crouch down behind the eyewitness news truck. shots being fired and cops was in the alleyway. They was like, get in the house. Don't come out. I was very, very frightened. When you oppose this nip something in the bud, if you see something's coming, you're supposed to sit down and try to iron it out before something like this comes to the stage. It's war. This is war. I've never seen it, but I've lived through it today.
this woman, we can't determine whether she is a relative uh, of one of the MOVE members or not. It appeared that things had gotten calm, and then, as you heard about a minute and a half ago, another burst of gunfire. This woman is now being taken into police custody. You're watching it live. They are restraining her. She is hysterical and is clearly upset about what's going on, and they're just trying to get her out of the danger area where we are in the fringes right now. Did you have a concern that the people in that side of that house might be in physical danger or that their lives might be in danger? Concern? We knew it. We, we, excuse me, we had, you had 200 boot-kicking, Gestapo-oriented cops out there that day. You had that day uh, a police officer by the name of Malva Hill, who was in the 1978 uh, tragedy, who was in fact one of the officers who stomped and kicked and beat and bludgeoned and shot and helmeted and kicked some more, my brother, Delbert Africa. So as I understand your testimony, you were concerned that there may be physical harm to the people inside that house, is that correct? Would you turn up your hearing aid, please? I can hear you fine, Mrs. James. Well, My then question if you is, can hear me fine, I, if you don't have a hearing aid, I suggest you get one. Well, because... because excuse me. Yes, ma'am. Just ask me. And what well, we concerned is complete insanity. Something is starting to happen. There is a big... The, the fire engine has fired up again. Its engine is on for the first time all afternoon. We just saw some police officers behind us have their hands over their ears. We don't know why. We can't hear anything at this point. I must say that this tiny little flurry activity is really the first bit of activity that there's been here all afternoon. It's been very quiet. Police say that they have a plan. They say it will be implemented shortly. We will tell you what it is when it happens. Reporting live from 62nd and Delancey, this is Chris Wagner, Channel 6 Action News.
After the explosion, you saw that the bunker was still there? Yes, sir. Did you observe any smoke or fire on the roof? I did not. And I did hear over the radio that there was none. I wanted to get the bunker. I wanted to be able to somehow have tactical superiority without sacrificing any lives, if it were at all possible. Commissioner Sambor said to me, he said, let's let the bunker burn to eliminate that high ground advantage and the tactical advantage of the bunker. And I said, yeah, okay. It was not an order. In, in essence, in communication, I communicated to him that I would like to let the fire burn. Larry, this is becoming a very emotional scene with me as Janice Walker. She lives at 6217 Osage just two doors from the uh, move house yes. and you're afraid that your house may be on I'm fire sure now. it's just destroyed and it's just not fair we've been there over 20 years and we didn't have to have to go through this well, we only left with a few odds and ends you know for the night we had no idea it was going to be this devastating you got innocent people that live around there on osage avenue and they they just you know i mean their their properties is just gone up in smoke I saw initially a small fire on the roof. Uh, I saw uh, what appeared to be uh, as uh, some water coming in. I determined later that that was not water at all, but uh, was basically the kind of snow on my television uh, screen. Uh, and after about five minutes of watching that, I gave uh, what was my first order of the day, which was put the fire out. You are aware that the mayor has testified that at approximately 6 o'clock on the evening of May 13th, he ordered that the fire be put out. I heard the testimony, yes, sir. Do you know whether or not there had been any order to put the fire out? Yes, sir. Did you convey that order to anyone else? Yes, sir. To whom? Fire commissioner was still there. Question, to whom? Answer, the fire commissioner was still there. Those responses were Commissioner Sambor, sir? Yes, sir. I categorically deny that. I had no knowledge of an order to extinguish that fire. Was there any smoke or, or tear gas in the garage when you were down there? Or was it tear gas? Did it was smoke and tear gas. Smoke and tear gas? Did it, did it bother you? Did it burn your eyes or anything? Mm-hmm. And, and what did you all do? We were under the blanket with our heads. Were all the kids under blankets? Mm-hmm. Where were the uh, women? 
Were they, under blankets. They were in the blankets. Now you said the blankets were wet. Mm -hmm. How did the blankets get wet? Because they had, we had them in a bucket, bucket of water. Isn't it true, Commissioner Sambor and Fire Commissioner Richmond, that you, in effect, made a decision to use fire as a weapon in this instance? Absolutely not, sir. Well, you made a decision to let that fire burn until the bunker was destroyed, isn't that right? When you talk about a weapon, you talk about a weapon as being used against probably individuals, and that was never a consideration, nor would I ever use it as a consideration. Well, Fire Commissioner Richmond, what did you understand the police commissioner was asking you to do? I would respond in the same way, Justice, Justice Kaufman. I, there's no one that I know in city government that would use weapons, uh, intentionally go out there to burn those people to death. There's no one that I know of could do that. If you look carefully, by the way, if you can take a look so I can point to the monitor here, right here is a line of stakeout squad officers. And they seem to be lined up at the ready waiting for something to happen. They seem to be waiting for something to come out of that house. You say that Rad tried to take Tommaso out? Mm-hmm. He, he was on his knees, and he had Tommaso around the stomach like that. On his knees, was he crawling along the uh, garage floor? Rad was. When they did come out, I see the smaller child come out, and then an adult male come out right behind him. Yeah. And he stood up and aimed a rifle up in the direction of Officer Barriana's position and fired like four or five quick shots. Did Conrad have a rifle or a gun when he went out uh, to the garage door? Mm -hmm. What did he use to open the bolt on the door? A big um, monkey wrench. A big monkey wrench? Are you certain it was a rifle and not a monkey wrench or something of that nature? Now, so when this, I know a rifle, believe me. When this male pointed this rifle up, I, in other words, I, I could hear sound, I could see muzzle flashes. Now you say that the, some shooting started. Could you hear shooting? It was a, do, 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 do. like it was just going after, each other, like it was going, both were going after each other. Like both were going one right after, do, 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 something like that? Yeah. Sergeant Griffith, could you just by rapping on the table indicate the sound, the best you can recall of those shots? It was not automatic fire, if that's what you're asking. Okay, could you just try and indicate for me what it sounded like? Did you ever fire your weapons after the bomb was dropped, Officer Mulvihill? No, sir. Officer DeLisi? No, sir. <clears throat> he had Tomasa was taking him out, and then he started shooting again, and then he brought him back in. Then you lock the thing back up. Did you see the child actually go back into the house? I believe the child went back into the house. All right. Do you have any idea why that person may have gone back into the fire? My own idea? What I think? Yes. I just think they went back into that fire sort of to regroup? Well, just as a human being myself, 
I'm just trying to imagine myself in that situation. And behind me, there's a raging inferno. And in front of me, there are people who are saying, come on out. I'm trying to imagine what would cause me to turn back and run into the fire. I don't think we said anything other than uh, come down to us, come, come on down with your hands up. Uh, normal police jargon for uh, calling the suspects to come down. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that I'm trying to put myself in that person's skin. So I don't think you ever could. We'll move members. Uh... Well, you see, I knew a lot of those people as individuals and as human beings. A lot of people know move from what they may have seen. But I'd had a lot of dealings with them, and I knew them to be more than move people. I knew many of them by name as human beings. It's probably a rhetorical question. I don't think you, from the way you've responded, I don't think you can answer that. Yes, sir. And then what happened to Tommaso? Rhonda smacked him with the right just on his back. Rhonda had Tommaso? Mm -hmm. And she was hitting him on his back? Was he crying then? He had stopped crying? Did he? Did you hear him cry anymore after she was trying to pat him and hit him on his back? Only one time. And then what happened? He stopped. He stopped? And, and then what happened? I hear nobody, and I just ran out of there. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, Larry, the flames are probably uh, now leaping um, uh, 10 stories high. Uh, it just looked like something was completely engulfed. What you're seeing now is You're flames. telling me that the flames are now leaping high? I remember Ramona coming from the rear of the move yard over the fence and down. And she had started to walk down and stop and she would wave with her hand like this. And then do I see Bertie, the way I described it, it looked like he literally came through the fire. And there was a board on fire there and he, and he hopped over that and he started coming down. What did you see when you first ran out of the house? I saw fire and stuff. You saw a fire, where did you see the fire? The tree was on fire and the house was. And the house was on fire, how about on the ground? Was there anything on the ground on fire? Um, the piece, the tree was falling down. Pieces of fire from the tree were falling down. Did the adults tell you what to do uh, if you all got out of the house? They told us to stay together. Ramona's up top. She's, She's on the walkway, the elevated walkway. That's right. Bertie's in the driveway. Now, where as they're coming down, Ramona's a little bit in the front. But at one time, does Ramona stop? 
and she goes over to the railing on the wrongs with her and reached over and tried to pick Bertie up. He got, I believe, one foot, maybe two, I don't know, on the bottom of the concrete wall where the fence meets, okay? And she either let go or slip or whatever, but Bertie fell back, he went back, and I remember he didn't get a chance to put his hands down to break his fall. The impression I was left with, he, he landed square on his head. If you're watching somebody or somebody falls and you hear a thud, you can almost feel it. Well, that's the same sensation I think we all got, that we knew Bertie was, was hurt at this time. It was an actual feeling. We could all feel it. That's when I fell and then I fainted. When the police got you after you finally got out, uh, did they ask you anything about whether or not there were any kids still in the house or were there any other uh, grown-ups still in the house? Yeah. You said there were other kids still there? Mm -hmm. Do you remember who it was who was still in the house? Trey, Nada, Malta and Melissa, Theo, and the big people, Teresa, Rhonda, Ball, Nick, Red and Ramona Africa, the MOVE spokesperson in recent weeks, is in police custody tonight. She was captured outside the MOVE compound sometime after the massive fire broke out there this afternoon. The child being treated here at Children's is suffering from second and third degree burns on his arms and legs. All officials know at this point about his identity is that his last name is Africa. All night long, an increasing number of firemen have been trying to battle what is now a six alarm blaze. There is a lot more water being trained on it, but it looks as though this is going to burn for a long, long time. After the 1985 bombing, Mayor Wilson Good, the first African-American to hold that position, appointed the Philadelphia Special Investigation Commission. They investigated the events leading up to and including the attack on MOVE. On March 6, 1986, the commission issued a report denouncing the actions of the city, stating that, quote, dropping a bomb on an occupied row house was unconscionable, end quote. For his role, Mayor Good eventually issued a public apology. And despite the commission's report, neither the mayor who approved the bombing nor the officers who carried it out faced any official repercussions. Ramona Africa, the only surviving adult MOVE member, was convicted on charges of riot and conspiracy. She served seven years in prison for the incident. And the one child to survive, 13-year-old Bertie Africa, also known as Michael Ward, wasn't charged with the crime. In 1996, a federal jury ordered the city to pay a $1.5 million civil suit. The jury found that the city used excessive force and violated MOVE members' constitutional protections against unreasonable search and seizure. 35 years later, Philadelphia is still known as the city that bombed itself. The city's brutal show of force 
unjustified to many, exists as part of a decade-long tradition of violent policing aimed at African Americans. You've been listening to excerpts from the documentary, Let the Fire Burn, the bombing of the MOVE organization in 1985. You can access the full documentary online at kenalorber.com or log on to the Making Contact website for further information. The Making Contact team is Executive Director Lisa Rudman, Producers Monica Lopez, Anita Johnson, and Salima Himarani. And the Web Manager is Catherine Steyer. You can sign up for our updates at radioproject.org. Follow us on social media and send us your feedback and topic suggestions. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to Making Contact. I've been your host, Anita Johnson. Anita Johnson.